Welcome to the Marvelous Post Blip Podcast, a podcast on all things Marvel on the Fangirl Zone. I am Mischievous Dave. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And today we have a special guest joining us as Steve got hungover from Thor's party while trying to pack for <laughs> the move to his new house. Please welcome from the nerd element, Kim. Hi guys, thanks for having me. I'm so glad you made it. We get to talk Marvel. We haven't talked Marvel in a long time, Kim. It's been a bit. It has. I was going to say, I... Upswing this time. Because <laughs> some of these have been so depressing. Yeah. Steve got to go to the party and we didn't. I know. I was like, how did he <laughs> get invited? What the heck, Steve? I see how he didn't want a plus three. I don't know. Yeah. So today we're talking about episode seven of season one of What If, titled, What If Thor Was an Only Child? Didn't picture it this way. No, I did not. So I'm guessing we're going to still pretend like Hela is not around, but we'll get to that. All right, initial reactions. Dave, what was your reaction for this? I, I, well, of course, it was fun. And it finally, because all of them have been so depressing. I, I, I would, If we were rating it, I would give it four out of five hottie McScotties. <laughs> Kim, what was your reaction for this episode? I actually found it really enjoyable for the same reasons. It was kind of upbeat and the end was like, huh? But like, it's still, oh yeah, the most part was really, really, uh, it was really good and not depressing at all. For one. <laughs> we had, what, the first episode was not depressing and now episode seven. So that's about it. Everything in between has been rough. I will say I did like it. I thought it was funny. Some of the comments in there. But this was a good palate cleanser this week, too, because I just felt like high school kid almost getting busted party kind of thing. So I enjoyed this one. Well, how about a brief episode recap? Thor, who had never, leaned to, never learned to be a good hero, throws an out-of-control intergalactic party on Earth. Ooh, party! So episode okay. seven, it opens with a shot of Jane Foster and Darcy Lewis's band. Designed especially for stalking gods with flowing blonde hair in the middle of the night. <laughs> the same vehicle was seen in 2011 Thor movie used by Jane, Darcy, and Eric Selving. They even ran Thor over with it. By mistake, of course. Nobody would want to hit him on purpose. Introducing this week's episode, The Watcher describes how Thor and Loki's sibling relationship changed the fate of the universe. I never thought about before, actually. These things are very creative. I'll give them that. Obviously, referring to the primary MCU timeline, it's interesting how cosmic beings view the brothers' importance to history. A little more was, than I thought it would be. Yeah. <laughs> really, that and those two? <laughs> okay. Yeah, but then when you start thinking about it, you're like, huh, they have a point. It was Thor and Loki's feud that resulted in the Battle of New York, the formation of the Avengers, and ultimately saving the entire universe from Thanos. Okay. completely but this week's party thor montage instead depicts unseen moments from thor and loki's younger years and here uh, we see the god of mischief playing freezing his brother using the casket of ancient warriors stolen from jotunheim from odin loki used the weapon in 2011 thor interestingly it was the casket's magic that revealed loki's true nature uh the blue frost giant appearing as an adult even though here his form in this image remained unchanged explaining how thor's came to uh, relevant on earth what if episode seven shows odin entering the odin sleep which he did in the movie as well so it turned out a little differently in this rendition yeah this the, seemed like he did it because he was just tired and yeah i thought it was like <laughs> oh well he's gone he's gonna be sleeping for a while yeah did he he exerted a lot of energy and like 
the previous one and like it was like a repairing thing wasn't it yeah that's what i thought but this like episode he's like i'm taking a nap uh, I'm so the, with nap. <laughs> the point hails directly from 2011 thor where asgardian ruler became began a long magical slumber allowing loki to seize control in his absence um obviously frigia didn't see the odin sleep as a vacation opportunity in the main mcu but in this version she's like yeah. pete i'm gonna go party with my girls <laughs> And so maybe this hints at her not having that close parental bond with Loki and what if, because she doesn't have Loki, she has Thor. But they don't seem particularly close like her and Loki did. They seem more of a, you do what I tell you, stop misbehaving type of relationship. Well, I thought it's kind of because Odin like was training Thor for everything. And so, yeah, she didn't have a chance. So like she seemed oh, to be the one that's training him to party. Well, yeah, she peaced out and went. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to my sisters later. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not worried about Odin. The animated Odin scene is framed remarkably close to the live action version, but with Thor taking Loki's place at his father's bedside. Well, they managed to follow these movies pretty good, pretty well. So, what happens when the parents are gone? I'll tell you. As Thor and his pals sneak off to Earth to have a good time, the quintet passes Odin's Infinity Gauntlet. The Golden Glove was included as a, a vault Easter egg in 2011's Thor movie before the franchise had properly decided to take its long-term direction, leaving Cape Blanchett's hell out to reveal the trinket as just the fate. Instead of landing in the New Mexico desert as a fallen prince of Asgard, Thor arrives in Vegas, baby, proclaiming himself to <laughs> be the party savior of, of Midgard. Arriving via the Bypass Bridge, Hemsworth characters accompanied by Frandall, Lady Sif, Altag, and Hogan. That does sound like a party. Mjolnir isn't missing the fun here either. One of the what-ifs more prominent Las Vegas tourists is wearing a pineapple t-shirt, which feels like a nod towards Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder director Taika Watiti, who famously wore a similar garment before giving it to his core character in Avengers Endgame. Yep, true that. And so begins our rapid-fire guest list of party attendees that across the MCU. Here, Lady Sif is spotted drinking with Pineapple Shirt Guy and a Ravager who looks very much like Kraglin, who hasn't been working under Yondu at this point in the timeline. Yep, sure did. Though the character doesn't look exactly like Sean Gunn, Kraglin's mohawk makes him stand out among the other background Ravagers. The camera pans over to reveal more familiar MCU faces and answering the Thor call for Midgard mayhem. To the left, a group of Skrulls can be spotted cheering for the God of Thunder, while the blue figure on the right appears to be Yondu, Michael Ruka's guardian to the galaxy character identified by the purple headgear. The Skrulls are later witnessed showing off their shape-shifting abilities to deeply impress Thor. Anything seems to make that guy happy. You do me! You do me! <laughs> yeah, I know, it was like a little kid, like, yay! Everybody's looking like me! So I apparently know. we're not getting all the huge fights that we've been getting in this universe, though. I know, it's just one big party universe. As more and more party goers arrive in Vegas, What If introduces Scourge, memorably played by Kyle Urban in Thor Ragnarok. At first, I wasn't sure of that. Yeah, I guess that's going to be him. I should check to see if Carl Urban got a speaking credit, did he, in the credits? Does anybody know? I didn't <sighs> notice it, but I also didn't notice him speak, did he? I don't know. No, maybe not. <laughs> so he doesn't get a chance to speak. Oh, hey, that's the next line of my script here. So he doesn't get a chance to speak and is knowledge by his name. The facial hair and armor is a dead giveaway. Good job, Dave. No doubt Scourge enjoys getting a thunder hug along with a tankard of ales. Welcoming Scourge to the party, Thor hands over a tankard and gleefully promise it never runs out. You try to drink it all, but you can't because it's magic. Yeah, well, the circumstance strange there all of a sudden? Yeah, that would have been good. Though the circumstances were entirely different, this harks back to Thor Ragnarok scene between Chris Hemsworth and Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange. Hey, you're psychic there, kid. Where the sorcerer would magically refill Thor's glass of ale, delighting the Asgardian. 
Evidently, Party Thor is more accustomed to mystic refills than his MCU counterpart. Among the collected fleet of ships beaming down crew members to the Thor's big bash, there's an Asgard skiff, middle right with fancy wings, a Ravager-type vessel dead in the center, and what looks to be a spacecraft from Sakaar with the rounded cockpit slightly left to, to that. Rapidly becoming the Phil Coulson's of what if Howard the Duck makes another cameo, apparently not captured by the collector in this reality. Perhaps Thor originally put it there. Who knows? You guys happy to see the Duck again? Yeah. It's kind of funny, but... Yeah. That's the place he would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's going to go get, like, really drunk, so... Whatever the reason for his freedom, Howard responds to Darcy calling the loser with a big talk coming from a brunette. Well, that was a real stinger. Yeah, it's an odd... <laughs> yeah, it's an odd comment, but Howard perhaps nods to the character, ending up in bed with Leah Thompson's blonde Beverly in his 1986 solo movie. Maybe. Probably. And, and I have to confess, I never saw it. I just... Really, a duck? No, oh, thanks. I <laughs> Once again, remember it. Yeah, I remember it, but... Oh, my God. Yeah, I used to watch it. Okay, I'm just saying. I saw it. I think I was a little too young to be watching it, because I don't think I really understood what was happening. Uh But once again, the duck is voiced by Seth Green. Jane makes first contact with a North God to inquire with him if his previous party at Alpha the Star Icarus has led to this planet's destruction. Amazed by Jane's foster's relatively short stature, Thor comments on how she's so tiny. And a little insult that only a god would utter in the line riffs on when the Avengers were affected by the Mind Stone in 2012. The Avengers interrupting an argument between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, the god of thunder, refers to human as so pretty, or so petty. Well, she is pretty. So petty and tiny. But it quickly turns into a meet cute moment just like that in the sacred timeline. Right. Thor remembers one time Fangel got so drunk he woke up next to a goat named Gary. Though such creature, creatures are present throughout Norse mythology, Fangel's goat is most likely a reference to Fangel's follies in 1988 Marvel comic story. Here, the Asgardian swordsman, swordsman is charged with accompanying a goat to the Isle of Love, which is not what it sounds like. That was a little... <laughs> the next two famous party attendees are the Grandmaster and an ever-faithful assistant, Topaz, both seen digging into a huge cake. No secret that Jeff Goldblum's Thor Ragnarok character loves a good party, and his presence would explain the Sakaran ship we saw earlier. Worryingly, Topaz has brought along the melting stick, which sits right beneath an acoustic guitar on the list of things you shouldn't take to a party. Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster has already forced his way into the DJ booth. That's what the uh, melting stick was for, I guess. But his passion for spinning records was seen previously in Thor Ragnarok, where the Grandmaster held his own DJ sets on Sakaar. I think it's great that he actually did the voice for it. For this. Yeah? Yes. He's I awesome. I can't believe it. So... So his what-if equipment could even be the same gear. Thor and Jane watch on as Karen Gillian's uh, Nebula is playing dice, hoping to win a brand new eye. In the main MCU, and presumably in Continuity 2, Thanos removed Nebula's eye after she lost a fight with her sister Gamora. Also hanging around the table is Korg, Taika Wakiki's super-friendly Cronan introduced in Thor Ragnarok, taking a well-earned break from printing pamphlets. I'm so like, wait, can you win an eye in Vegas? Did I miss something? <laughs> Just what the money to pay for. in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. Well, that could be bad. Though it's no surprise to see an Elvis impersonator officiating a wedding, even one involving a duck and Darcy. What? It is unusual that the Elvis in question looks so much like Kurt Russell. Okay, I was... Like, wait a second, why does that look so familiar? The resemblance hey. is very unlikely to be coincidental, as Russell has a long association with the King of Rock and Roll. The actor made his screen debut by kicking Presley's shin It, it Happened at the World's Fair, then starred in John Carpenter's Elf biopic some years later. Now, I did not know that he was in a movie with Elvis. That's interesting. I didn't either. But that is, I guess, much... <laughs> That's boomer talk. <laughs> 
Russell lent his voice to Forrest Gump's Elvis, again, did not know that, before playing the singer's illegitimate son in 3,000 Miles to Graceland. With Kurt Russell also a member of the MCU cast, playing Star-Lord's father, Ego, the visual comparison in What If surely is intentional. During a whirlwind first night together, Thor and Jane Foster decide to get matching tattoos, with the Asgardian picking science and the Earthling choosing magic. Okay, that's crazy. I guess it's better than getting married. I don't know. But that's a lot to do on your first night. There are awful ink nods to scenes between Jane and Eric in 2011's Thor solo film, where Natalie Portman's character quotes Arthur C. Clarke's magic is just science we don't understand yet. Oh, so interesting. But I think Thor's like, no, no, everything's magic. I had a flashback to... Britney Spears getting, she used to take off to Vegas. She married her uh, high school sweetheart. And then like two or three days later, they got it annulled. You guys remember that at all? Yeah, I do. Yeah. The next morning, this is uh, interesting. It had a hangover feel to me. We have, yeah, the night straight out of the hangover because you see Jane and Darcy being summoned by S.H.I.E.L.D. after first her cell phone rings and then, I was going to say the apartment, the room phone rings and somebody's knocking on the door. And all these <laughs> people laying everywhere and was it Rocket was in the the sink or something? It was like... A rocket, yeah, Rocket. What is going Rocket on? Raccoon. <laughs> what are you guys doing? I'm that was amazing. Face tattoo on somebody. <laughs> It appears this, Hill. I was going to say, uh, this is where I answer where this actually happened to me, but I guess I won't go there. Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> oh, it appears that Maria Hill is, in fact, the person pounding on the door because Nick Fury was accidentally knocked unconscious by everyone's favorite Cronan, Korg, who was going to do a cannonball into, was it the Bellagio Fountains? I don't even know. Look like it. With the party atmosphere spreading throughout the world, Hill has no choice but to use the last resort, which I was thinking, oh my god, is the partying somehow going to destroy the Earth? <laughs> it's like, oh, no. they so <laughs> adamant on this, it was weird. But the last resort isn't what everybody thought. It was, in fact, Fury's pager to summon Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel. The what-if scene where Jane wakes up in a Vegas hotel room, only to be greeted by a mad chaos from the night before, copies the famous moment from 2009's comedy The Hangover. Again, I'll throw in a tiger, you know, that would have worked out. Yeah. It's fitting, then, that one of those passed out is Rocket, like I said, who happened to be voiced by a man, Bradley Cooper, who was, in fact, in The Hangover. But while Jane tries to talk down Maria Hill and Crossbones, which he just keeps popping up, apparently he's just going to be a jerk everywhere. Thor is heard talking about, hey, there's a rabbit in the sink, obviously meaning <laughs> raccoon. And our favorite raccoon at that. At least I didn't call him a trash panda, so that was good. In Avengers Infinity War, Thor also mistook Rocket for a rabbit and the ship's captain. But nothing says Earth is in trouble, quite like S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier hovering in the air. And we get to see an iconic MCU Skybase return in What If Episode 7, used by Maria Hill and Phil Coulson, which again, love that Clark Gregg was in it. I was like, I miss him. He should be in all of them. As the party moves on to Paris, even the uptight members of the, of the Sovereign know how to let their perfectly quaffed hair down occasionally. I wanted to see the Queen, like, just roll up on something. Come on. 
Even though that's not necessarily in Paris, but you guys know what I mean. Thor is spotted taking <laughs> a selfie with Aisha, the golden high priestess from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2's opening sequence, and one of her shiny followers from the Sovereign. Raised as the Prince of Jotunheim, Loki's appearance is completely different in What If, fully embracing his frost giant heritage. Why did he have all the black hair then, though? And the horns. Like, I thought that so was you Loki. Oh, okay. Yeah, even the dog knows that. <laughs> <laughs> but we have already seen this character debut in the MCU. Among the many gods of mischief variant forms that we happen to catch in Disney's Plus Loki series, a TVA slideshow reveals Frost Giant Loki, who has clearly lived among his own kind. Very clever. Not apparently learned how to shapeshift to be smaller. He probably would have made it a little easier to get some of those dates on Earth. Though there's nothing to confirm both variants are the same person in What If, it does raise the possibilities that the Frost Giant Loki pursued by TVA agents designated L6792, hails from this very same corner of the multiverse as Party Thor. Waggering into Thor's party, Ice Bros in tow, Loki calls the God <laughs> of Thunder, Son of a Witch. <laughs> Though we soon find out that the pair are actually good pals, this insult is deeply ironic considering Loki's strong connection with Frigga in the mainstream MCU continuity. Had Odin not gotten his money back from Lofi, Frigga would have become one of the few Asgardians Loki truly loved. It was also Frigga who taught Loki magic, adding another layer of meaning behind the seemingly juvenile insult. After receiving her orders from S.H.I.E.L.D., Carol Danvers arrives on Earth to all over Thor's party. Captain Marvel greets the Asgardian with, hey, White Snake, which I started laughing and I wonder how many people got that. And it's due to this obvious similarity between Thor, Odin's son, and White Snake's vocalist, David Coverdale. But I still wonder how many people got that. I got it. <laughs> Not even Boomer Talk. Come on. <laughs> I didn't. I'm sorry. Uh -oh. I told you. <laughs> Got a whole demo. was like, what? What is he talking about? Is it because he likes snakes? What is it? But Danvers wouldn't know that. But more importantly, the nickname recalls how Danvers grew up on Earth through the 80s and would have been attending gigs and partying right with when White Snake was at the height of their fame. Guess that means put on the album now. <laughs> You know, I didn't understand why it was such a big deal that they need to call in Captain Marvel. I mean, who doesn't like a party? Yeah, I know. Is it that bad? We're just destroying the Earth's economy or something like that. No one's going to work because they're all partying instead. I know. Like, technically, Vegas is like that, period. Now, yeah. I know they did some destruction, a little bit of destruction. But he would have put it back eventually. Well, all those punches being thrown around. I, I expect, I think, went out to, uh, what's the name of that? Monument Valley and crashed into one of buttes or whatever it was out there. I thought it was going like, to oh, break him. Yeah. Well, not Stonehenge. <laughs> no, because uh, he got punched into a desert, too. Oh, yeah, eventually. that's right. Yeah, Monument Valley. That's what we used to film uh, a lot of Westerns back in the day. More boomer talk. Sorry about that. <laughs> I just feel like he would have fixed it eventually. And was it something really worth getting Captain Marvel involved in? I would want to punch Captain I, Marvel anyway. She's got great hair, too. Because they were just freaking out. They're like, I don't know how to stop him, so let's bring in a bigger bad guy. Or that's a yeah. guy. Why not? Everyone else is in the show. In this episode. <laughs> it was. It was literally every, everyone we've ever seen seemed to be in this episode. After a tense few seconds of nothing, we do see Molnir come flying at Thor because... You know, he kind of got punched down in the desert, like you were saying. And it came really close to Danvers' face, but she still remains unimpressed all the while. Very similar to what we had in Endgame when Thor pulls the same stunt with Stormbreaker. Yep. That could have cut her. 
she Dragon gave him Ball the, yeah. Z's famous fight, which Kim, I have not watched Dragon Ball Z. Don't take away my anime, anime card, but you might have to help a little. Mm-hmm. We have influenced superhero movies because of fight scenes, albeit mainly on the DC side of the divide. But what if battle between Captain Marvel and Thor owes much to the iconic anime? Would you <laughs> have to agree, Kim? I can see that. I've not watched a lot of the DC stuff. Sorry. Sorry, DC fans out there. So I don't know how much they pull on that. But yeah, there's some epic fights in Dragon Ball. <laughs> I catch it every so often on Tsunami, but I mean, that's a long one. So yeah, I don't know how much the fighting is, like how similar. Dave, are you yeah, if you can... kind of guy? I am not. I mean, that's one conversation. That you'd have to like if you wanted to catch up on that. There's just so it's so many. It's just like I haven't even watched all of them. Is this Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z? But yeah, no, I can I can see where they he drew on that. That's way well done. I didn't even think about that. I think a lot of it pulls from various animes, just because like some of it is like so over the top. Because as our overpowered Avengers do battle in a vast rocky desert, tossing each other into rocks, punching in midair, firing beams of energy or lightning in Thor's case, it's impossible not to be reminded of Goku's epic bout against Vegeta. What if episode 7 takes us in a variety of Earth locations and two key English settings were featured? Stonehenge, which you talked about, which Thor knocks over like dominoes. That was a dick (laughs) move. Come on. (laughs) Oh, oh, I shouldn't touch this. You mean boop? Okay, the fact that he said boop, I was cracking up. <laughs> I do that to my dog because I'm a weirdo. Booper on the nose. But I was like, oh my god, he just booped Stonehenge and it's falling over. <laughs> and then they go to the River Tape. It's surely no accident that both landmarks were also used in Thor Dark World. Stonehenge is where a semi-naked Eric Selvig was arrested. Oh my goodness. Semi-naked? I mm. thought he was full-on naked. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Malekith's invasion began with the English capital. After he did it to Loki in 2011, MCU fans have often wondered why Thor doesn't pin more enemies under his trusty hammer. The likes of Thanos could never lift Molnor. Well, I don't know. I guess in the comics, things are a little different, aren't they? On occasion. So why not simply call the Mad Titan by popping Molnor down on his chest? Well, yeah, you could have stopped him, but he could still snap. Anyway, what if episode 7 runs with the idea ending the God of Thunder's fight against Captain Marvel using this very tactic and causing everyone around them to stare at her? But... I kind of feel like Captain Marvel would have been worthy enough to lift it, at least knock it off herself. No kidding. Don't think too hard about it, I guess, when Odin cast the worthiness spell on Thor's hammer, because I'm really feeling like this episode, Thor was not worthy of that hammer. And among those chanting pooper at Captain Marvel is Taspa, a member of Korg's Sakaran Rebellion from Thor Ragnarok, who also aided Thor in the battle against Hela. The guy in the uh, holy helmet looks familiar to another rebel, Roscoe. I mean, it's like Kavita to keep up to all these people. According to, uh, yeah, according to Maria Hill, Nick Fury once claimed that Goose, Carol Damage's pet cat, could take down an Atari army by himself. They should make that a movie. As revealed in Captain Marvel, Fury actually has a bitter rivalry with Goose. The undercover Florican was responsible for the S.H.I.E.L.D. director requiring an eye patch. Bonus points to anyone who had surfer flirting with a Statue of Liberty on their what-if bingo card. I did not. <laughs> the fiery villain introduced in Thor Ragnarok returns to help celebrate on Midgard and takes a like to New York's famous Green Lady before doing the limbo under some of the power cables. I mean, this is yeah. uh, <laughs> totally whack. Does he not realize she's not real? Is 
how <laughs> did they give him to drink and how? Yeah, I no that kidding. Was really weird. Yeah. Bradley Cooper was in a movie that had a monster that actually launched the head of the Statue of Liberty into downtown Manhattan. You guys see that? What was it called? It was like a first person movie when the camera, someone was running around and filmed the whole movie. Oh, As- with the kaiju in it, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Ugh. A brain fart. Oh, me too. Now there's people out there listening. That is. I didn't see it because those first person like movie like they make me they give me a headache. Yeah. Anyway, as the party moved to Chris Hemsworth's home country of Australia, more familiar faces from the MCU arrived, dancing on the bridge where Guardians of the Galaxy's Volume Two's Mantis, as well as Korg's best friend Meek, good to see Meek <laughs> again. The insect-like being was presumed dead in Thor Ragnarok, only to make a miraculous recovery and take up residency in New Asgard. Stellan Skarsgård and Eric Selvig played a key role in Thor, even accompanying Jane and Darcy during the late night desert stakeout. Though he's completely absent from the events of What If Episode 7, Jane does call Selvig to help him send a message to Heimdall regarding Thor's bad behavior. The brief mention pays tribute to Eric's importance in the Thor MCU backstory. As the party begins breaking up, Thor struggles to muster the same enthusiasm for tiding as he did for reveling. Nebula excuses herself a name-dropping her dad, a subtle reference to Thanos. Nebula defying her old man by parting, the Thor suggests Thanos isn't overwhelmingly forcing fans to know much about the MCU continuity, and these suspicions are confirmed by the Infinity Stone's fate later in the episode. Didn't like it. As Thor and his friends put Earth back to normal, the absent-minded Asgardian corrects Italy's leaning tower of pizza. That was a good one. I think we've seen that in a lot of properties. I'll fix this. Well, then just a nod to Thor's lack of intelligence, the scene plays homage to Superman 3, in which the evil Man of Steel commits various cultural atrocities just to annoy everyone. In an intriguing line of dialogue, Frigga reveals she's already aware of Captain Marvel in the main MCU. Carol Danvers spends little time on Earth because she's too busy saving other planets and who aren't blessed with a rapidly increasing population of superheroes. So fans rarely go where they get to, uh, so witness these adventures. Frigga's familiarity with, with Danvers confirms that Captain Marvel has left a positive impact on the bits of the MCU galaxy we don't see. Those who thought uh, Suter's Liberty Liaison was was weird as what if. Could, yeah. I'm going to read. Huh? Yes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Who's that was weird. Come on. It was a bit odd. <laughs> Would get this week as proved wholeheartedly wrong by the reveal of Ultron emblazoned with a full complement of Infinity Stones. I'm like, no. This Ultron incorporates elements of vision also with Paul Bettany's face and mind stone visible where the villain left his helmet. This, to me, I don't know. Why'd they throw this in? It was, it was such a great episode. It was so fun. And like, really? This? What if is yet to explain how Thor, being an only child, somehow led to Ultravision gathering the Infinity Stones before the Avengers even had time to assemble, but it's entirely possible that Ultron hails from a different reality altogether, hence the Watcher's shocked reaction. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess. was confused with that, because I'm like, is that supposed to be Ultron? Is that supposed to be... Vision? Yeah, and, and then I was like, wait, is that even supposed to be... What's his name? Who originally was trying to get them? Could say Conan, that's not right. Ronan the Destroyer? Yeah. Like, I was yeah. really confused with who that was, and I didn't really stop it. It just looked like Ultron, which I'm like, why is it all in his chest, though? It doesn't make sense. I mean, Ultron was like, Vision was like built on Ultron. Tony, after Avengers 1, acted in fear, like for the rest of the rest of the series. So everything he did was to protect the Earth from what happened in Avengers 1. So if that didn't happen, 
And I just don't really understand how any of this like plays out, but I think we're going to see it in following episode. I think we'll see it in a, I mean, it will be a sequel to this, so it's just a funny tease. It's probably just one of those things. They're like, oh, let's just throw this in and confuse everybody. I am surprised we did not see Tony Stark. I mean, we've seen him all over the place. I know, the biggest partier on the planet. There wasn't a time when he didn't have a drink in his hand in the last episode. <laughs> Some people thought that uh, he looked like Galactus a little. He was in a square head. He already, <laughs> unfortunate square head, but Ultron's horns echo Galactus's handles, and Vision's narrow eyes only make the comparison clearer. The resemblance is probably just accidental. Or is it? What if it isn't? Kind of stuff. Why not? Weird stuff happening. Well, I do remember that, like, Vision, when he became Vision, he did kind of idolize Thor because, remember, he looked at him and then he made his cape go out. Kind of like, oh, I want to look like this guy. Yeah, so that's true. If he wasn't there, maybe he'd become this, but he shouldn't be there anyway because Tony Stark wouldn't have been messing with any of that. Like, none of that. I don't know. I just thought that was weird. But it shocked the Watcher, too. So I think maybe you're right that it maybe came from a different dimension or something. With everything that's going on, when the Watcher gets shocked, I start to get worried. Me too. Just like <laughs> throwing that out there. It's like, oh, okay. I'm worried that they're going to try to connect this universe or the what if to the, uh, the standard MCU universe. Because then, like I said before, a few episodes ago, then it won't be what if anymore. It'll be, it is. I'm, I'm not sure I want him to go there. I was assuming this was just supposed to show all of the timelines that Sylvie messed up, basically. Yeah. Then why do they call it what if? <laughs> well, there was a what if comic, too, you know, based, this is based on that. Yeah, there was a, two different runs, aren't, weren't there? Oh, no, I'm thinking the zombies had two different runs. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still stuck on the zombies. But overall, what's everybody's final thoughts on the episode? I thought it was pretty great. It was a lot of fun. I don't know why they had to break up the party. The only part I didn't like was the end. <laughs> Kim, what about you? Yeah, that's basically it. Because I'm still over here thinking, like, that's what I was thinking about going to sleep after that episode. I'm like, but that doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't say I, I kind of feel the same, but I, I was like, why are they having Frigga take so long to get somewhere? It didn't make sense either. <laughs> yeah. Down, so that's funny. It's like, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I need time. I need time to get this right. And what was with the classroom thing? That had me like, are you serious? She's not stupid. Okay, come on. Was fun. And that's what blah, blah, blah is. I can't remember what said. <laughs> but it's like, oh my God, Thor, you are a bad liar. Maybe you really did need to hang out with Loki some more. But I enjoyed it for what it was because it, it wasn't super dark. And I think we needed that. Thank goodness. What if needed a palate cleanser like across Oof. the board? Thank goodness. Well, you know how we feel. We'd love to hear your thoughts on every episode this season. So shoot us an email or an audio file. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. So we can make sure we get it into the episode. You can send your feedback to contact us at fangirlzone.com. Yeah, and please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you use for your podcast with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us because there are plenty of other Marvel podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and I hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. So, again, don't forget to check out www.fangirlzone.com, contacts page, and stump our guys with boomer talk stuff or your <laughs> tinfoil hat theories because there's always some. This one was good. We enjoyed it. We were all generally happy when we're leaving this one and not sitting there with our jaws on the floor. Mm-hmm. 
So for this episode of the Marvelous Post-Blip podcast, I'm Kim and I'm sitting here waiting for some What If Thor Funko Pop. Nice. I'm Sean Fangirless and you know what? Using the St. Louis arch as a slingshot, not really a bad idea. <laughs> and this is Mischievous Dave and I like cake too, especially when I get to cut it with my spear. There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone.